Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, founder of singleinthecity.ca. How do you take the labels that are often attached to men and turn them into something more meaningful? Tonight, I'm joined by two men who are trying to transform the way that we think about these things. My guests tonight are David Coates and Corey Kilpack, co-authors of the book Be Less Dickish, the definitive self-help book about men available on Amazon. David is a psychotherapist from the Bay Area with over 20 years of experience, and Corey is his former client. And tonight, we're going to be discussing how these labels affect men, how you can deal with behavioral triggers, and how you can use these to change behaviors for more success in love and life. Well, thanks for joining us again, gentlemen. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us. I love having two guys on at once. It's perfect. (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. I mean, you guys went from having a a therapist-client type of relationship to co-authoring a self-help book for men. Um, And that is, to me, really interesting to say the least. Can you tell us a little bit more about how this relationship developed and how you decided to write a book together? This idea popped into my head about 10 years ago, you know, like how to use these most intense negative labels ascribed to men and do something positive with them. So while Corey was my client, I was working on this book for probably five or six years. And uh, my work with Corey was just profound. It was profound for me. It was one of the most meaningful uh, clinical relationships I've ever had. And I, and I just loved the guy. And uh, we, we just did incredible work together. And I was inspired by him. And uh, I was inspired by his mind and his heart. And, uh, and then we, we kind of finished. He, he, he did what he needed to do. And I worked together. And, you know, a couple of years passed. And we had emailed a little bit. And, uh, and I got really stuck in the book and this book, it was too big. It was almost twice the size it is now. And I was just looping in circles around the book and I just, Corey kept popping into my head and I was like, Nope, you can't do it. He's a former client, There's mm-hmm. considerations, blah, blah, blah. And he just kept popping in my head. I, he just, he just wouldn't stop because he'd written to me a lot when he was my client. He emailed me a lot as part of his process. So I knew he was a good writer. And he was just the perfect guy for this. And I knew it. And eventually I just made the decision. I was, I'm going to send him what I've got. I'm going to send him what I've got. We're just going to see what happens. There's no harm in that. So I kind of eased myself into it. Uh, but, you know, it had been a couple of years since we had met as, as client therapist. And, uh, and I just went with my intuition. And, and the rest is, uh, you know, he got it. And he, he, and he got what the book needed to become he saw more clearly, clearly than I could see what the book needed to be because I was so lost in it. having been in it on my own for so long. And then we started that transition. We started meeting up. We started going back and forth. We started having long weekends together and, you know, we, we shifted our relationship from what it was to something entirely new. So Corey, what was your role as like, what was your role in the book being the client? Because David, you're the psychotherapist and, yeah, the I got the manuscript from Dave a couple of years ago, and I knew when I got it that this was going to be one hell of an adventure. Like we were we were off, and my wife and I read the 
the manuscript then out loud on a road trip. And I just knew I could see a vision for this and that it also needed some work. Um, Dave is the clinician. He is the professional. He is the narrator of the book. He is the author. Um, he's also a character in the book. And what I brought to this is you coming to Dave and saying, hey, here's a perspective from the client sitting in the chair or the person going through this work that you're describing. And I think from a writing style, I'm a technical writer. I'm a former investment banker. I'm not a, an author. This is the first book I've ever done. But I brought a, a real technical focus to the book to try and delineate the differences in these characters and also just making the characters raw and real and just hit you in the guts with what's going on with these archetypes. And this self-help book is aimed at helping men understand the archetypes that are often put on them. Why do you think that this book is important for men to read? Like, what do you hope that they're going to be able to take away from this book? I'm going to jump ahead of Dave on this one. This is a really important question. And it's interesting that when Dave sent me this, he asked specifically, I need help with a subtitle. And we worked together for a year and a half before we came up uh, with the final subtitle that we ended up using, which is the definitive self-help book about men. And it's very specific. This is about men, but it is for everybody. And the, there are female characters in the book. There's really important female characters in the book. And it is for everyone. And the model applies to all of us, men, women. It, it applies to relationships, the systems, the institutions. But it is about men and helping people realize that these are the readers. It's us. It's men around us. It's the people we love. It's people that we live with our whole lives and grew up with or we're living with now. It, it's, a, it's for everybody. And David? I, you know, having been a clinician for a long time, I just saw how men are stuck. And men suffer. And then that suffering impacts everyone and everything they come in a relationship with. And I thought, well, let's, let's, let's use these extreme terms, which we haven't really talked about. But, you know, a-hole is one of them. D-bag is another one. We were laughing about this before the show. Uh, but a cat without the cat is the third one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, want, I actually want to go through every single one in detail yeah. in a moment. Yeah. Um, but I, I just wanted to um, to ask you, like, what do you think, like, what do you expect men to take away from this book? I want them to be shocked awake. I want men to, to, to read this book and be like, oh, my God, I am in this book. I am in these extremes. These guys are not out there. These guys are inside of me. And this is how they live inside of me. And, oh, my God, this is the way it's impacting my life and those around me. I want them to wake up and get really curious and go inside and start exploring this, this material and how it lives inside of them. I love that. I love it. And, you know, I wrote a book as well. And that is the most difficult part, right? Because you had mentioned prior that uh, coming up with the subtitle was difficult. I found that coming up with the title in general, you know, and coming up with the cover and then coming up with the subtitle, it just took me a long time, <laughs> but you were able to do it. And it took you four years then again, like this whole journey was a four year journey to write the book or a little longer. No, I, for me, it was about nine 
Corey and I wow. got started. Corey and I were in it for about two years, Corey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the time it was published, we I'd had it about two years. Yeah. Beautiful. We were very thorough. Like we were we 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 had to make sure that, that this this level of material and the intensity that we were writing about, we we needed to make yeah. sure that it was clean. We needed to make sure that it stood on its own. And that's where Corey was so so good. Yeah, it took me a couple of years and I thought that was long because I remember the publishing company was like, yeah, you can knock this out in like two months. I was like, two months? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> um, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. <laughs> Throughout your book, you explore common derogatory male archetypes through four characters. So let's break down what are these archetypes, uh, the motivations behind them how they can be recognized and how they affect the men who find themselves fitting into these archetypes. So let's start with the first one. Okay. So we'll start with aggressive, which is the, we can't really say the actual word on radio, but it's the a-hole type, the aggressive (laughs) a-hole type. (laughs) And I'm sure that most of us uh, can recognize this one. So who is the aggressive a-hole man and why is he this way? Who would like to start? I'll take this one. <laughs> yeah. Is that Corey? The, the asshole. Were you that guy, Corey? Yeah, you know, it's funny, and I just you're gonna have to bleep me out. The a-hole character in here has a lot of stories that are my stories, and and even Dave has compared me to uh, this character and this type. But yes, I fit that category, and I it is a a character that is um, selfish. And shameless, meaning he's aggressive. His go-to is to stop this problem, resolve what's bothering him with aggression. His reaction to triggers are aggressive. He hurts people, and he will do this without even being aware that he's hurting them. And sometimes it's deliberate and part of a game. But this is someone who is serving his own interest first and doesn't really care about the consequences. And it's an important character. There's so it's fine to be selfish. We all need to do that sometimes. We need to be selfless sometimes. But this character is the aggressive one. Yeah, and and you know what they see, and I find that they seem not to care about the outcome, like in the moment, but then like maybe down the road they do. Right? Do you find that? David? Ideally, the consequences catch up with the a hole, and that's what makes them kind of wake up out of the patterns that they're caught in. But the shameless quality of the a-hole is what makes him so infuriating. Like he's not feeling the impact and the awkwardness in the situation when he's berating a server, he's cutting in line. Like most of us feel kind of a, oh, we're making other people uncomfortable. We feel the social consequences of that. Mm. He's largely immune from social consequences. That's what makes him shameless. And he's all about himself. So you combine that with aggression, you've got a really intense guy to deal with. So I know that you guys probably have a lot more to say about this, but we're going to continue this conversation right after the break. We're going to continue our chat about some of the male archetypes and how they affect men in everyday life. Don't go anywhere. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host, with my guests David Coates and Corey Kilpack. Getting back to our discussion on male archetypes. So before the break, we were breaking them down for you, the four male archetypes. The first one was the A-hole type. Guys, you have anything else to say about that guy? 
That type? I think we got it. You got that one? All right. So uh, on the other side of the spectrum, you also have the submissive type, the the pussycat type with, you know, without the cat. <laughs> what what do you typically see in this type of person? Got it. So so this guy, you know, and, and this word, there's so much charge around this word, this word that cannot be named, I think, which speaks to that. But this, <laughs> this guy, he he's fundamentally submissive, right? He doesn't pay attention to what he wants and needs. And he's very aware of what other people want and need from him or what he thinks they want and need. He just wants everybody to be okay with him. So he's very deferential. Yeah, he's a pleaser. He's deferential. He's submissive. And he has a big impact on those around him because he won't actually show up with what he wants and needs because he's so afraid that if he does, he'll upset the people close to him. So he gets others to take responsibility for his life. So he, he, he absences himself from the situations that he's involved in, and he has a really big impact. So what, what, what is the harm in having this type of archetype? This is a good question. I mean, as you guys have pointed out, he's a peacemaker in a way, and he's a pleaser. The harm is that he's not present, and he's basically handing off the control of a situation to someone else. He doesn't know how to hit the tennis ball back and forth in relationship, and you need that energy for a relationship to stay vital. Now, he's the extreme expression. Like, some of this is good. Like, he's a peacemaker. He knows how to be conscientious of other people. He knows how to put them first. But in the extreme, and this book is about extremes, he's not playing the game. He's a drain on the system. He needs others to take responsibility for his life and everything he's involved in. And that kind of a guy, he's kind of a slow eroder over time of connection and he drives people crazy. Yeah. And, and like he's the guy he, you want to shake and say, show up. Like, I want to hear from you. I want to know what you think and feel, but yeah. he's not so really he, able to. So when dating, he can come across as a non, not confident, which is not an attractive trait. That's for sure. Cause women well, do not like walking all over men, right? They don't like a yes person like they want to be able right. to have this banter back and forth someone to stand up for themselves right not the yeah go yeah, ahead you want to be able to feel the person that you're with and he may mm -hmm. be a nice guy and he's very interested in you but he's one that you have to be aware of like can i really feel this guy is he really showing up is he really here yeah and i think dave's point too is that he's selfless and he's not providing a ride i mean this slow erosion that dave mentioned is important because he's not showing up with enough to keep everything interesting. And eventually it gets boring or it gets heavy. It's hard to carry someone else around and for them to always be on our ride and not give us the opportunity to be on theirs. And I think when I was writing about this character and developing these characters, there's a perception that this person, the submissive man, is weak. And that is not the case. That's a misperception. In order to carry around, be so conscientious of everyone's feelings and your, what they want and what they're concerned with and making sure they're happy, that is not a weak position to be in. That is a hard, heavy place. And as it becomes more chronic, it gets heavier. And I think it's a misperception that this is weak. It's absent but it's not weak. Beautiful. All right, let's move on to the next one. We have the 
imitative D-bag type. The D-bag, if you guys can, yeah. you know. Yeah, this you know one, living in the here. Bay Area and writing about D-bags, you can imagine how much fun we had with that. And just walk outside and then just put that person's character in here in our book. We got this. But the, the D-bag is a tough one to explain because mm-hmm. when we tell people like, oh, here's the D-bag and he's selfless and he's shameless. And the, the idea is, wait a minute, this guy who's cataloging his conquests and keeping track of all the cool things he does is selfless. Like it almost seems counterintuitive, but what we are describing in this chronic level of imitation in the, in the D bag is that they have put on a costume and are putting on an act. And it is so extreme that the true authentic person is discarded. And when you are interacting with this person, you are not really seeing what is real and what is core and what is meaningful. They may look cool and they may have a cool car or whatever it is they're trying to impress you with in this act, but it is not really them. And another perception that we had to break down in this is that it's not just that you have the the fancy and expensive things that are going to get you um, clicks and likes and, and turn people's heads. You don't have to be rich to be a D-bag. You have to be absent and your authentic self is not there because you've replaced it with whatever image you're trying to sell. And a part of that includes getting confirmation that you're doing it well. Like whatever it is I'm imitating, I got this. And they end up surrounding themselves with this affirmation and it becomes a a cluster that they can't get out of. It's crippling because the authentic self is gone. I know, unavailable. Few, I know a few guys, I know a few guys like that, to be honest. <laughs> Corey, did you have yeah. anything to add to that? Were you one of those me, two? Me, were you a D bag? <laughs> <laughs> this is, so, I, you know, I'm all of these guys. There's a story in this book and every, there's every one of these characters has some about me. So the answer to all four of those questions is yes, I've done that. I tried that out. So yeah. Hey, what do you think? The, the thing that I, the thing that I would add about it is that he's obnoxious and shameless in his promotion of the, of the false image that he's trying to portray. And that really defines the douchebag. Like he is shameless about it. Mm-hmm. He, he's all in on it and it's not him. And that's what makes him ridiculous. And like imitation is something we all do. Like as kids, we imitate older kids. Like we learn through imitation. So again, there's a, there's a healthy expression we'll get to later in the show, but like fundamentally uh, there's a lot of this going on. And for sure I've fallen into it as well. Like who doesn't want to be the man when the man seems to be getting so many accolades. Yeah, and does narcissism fall into any of these roles somewhere? Because I, I mean, the d bag that I know, he was definitely a narcissist. <laughs> for for sure, like that. I mean, that would be a longer conversation. But yeah, there's a narcissism in the d bag as well, and in the a hole as well too. Okay, finally, you 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 also go through the story of the victimized D type. Uh, the D type has the same name as a body part. Another word. Or penis. Um, what <laughs> what kind of things can you expect from someone who holds on to this archetype, and and what can you learn about them? So 
this guy, this guy is the one I related to the most in the writing of the book. I've got a lot of him in me, but this guy basically says, uh, you know, you're doing something to me. Like I'm the victim of circumstance, right? Mm -hmm. He is self, he is selfishly oriented. How do things affect me? But it's also counterintuitive that he's conscientious. He's very aware of how other people are feeling and thinking and what they're doing. Right. The a-hole is oblivious to that. He's very aware of other people. But if you're upset, I'm aware that you're upset if I'm this guy. But I'm only aware of how your upset affects me. Because, great, there's one more thing now on my plate because you're frustrated with me because I was 10 minutes late to lunch. I'm the victim. It's all about me. And whatever is happening is being done to me. And then whatever I do to you. That's warranted because you did something to me first and I'm the victim. So that's on you. So this guy is infuriating. That makes sense? Yes. I know one of those too. I think that's the <laughs> word we like to, yeah. I think and that's the word know, that I like to, to reference the most actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, Rich, you know, Richard really well. We like it so much. We put it on the cover of the book in as exactly. many ways as possibly could and still put it in bookstores. So it's important too. you think about this character who is selfish. I mean, that's the image that you have to think of, of that person, the D person, whatever we're calling it here. He's selfish and he cares a lot. There is nothing he doesn't care about. And there is nothing that he cares about that is not also about him. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's the polar ice caps. It doesn't matter if it's the price of gas or the length of the, his, the grass in front of his house. There is nothing that happens that is not about him that he doesn't care about. And most importantly, whatever it is he cares about, if he doesn't like it, it's not his fault. It is your fault that he cares and it's your fault that he's disappointed. There are no exceptions. The narcissist. And he's got a lot of that for sure. And when Dave says it's infuriating, it's infuriating because it's impossible. It is impossible to reconcile the extreme form of this victimization and this selfishness and this kind of rationalization. It is an endless loop, and, and we'll get to it in, coming up, but he's basically telling people, please accept on my terms that you are the perpetrator of whatever the hell I'm feeling. That's, yeah. that's the expression that you get from the dick. It's impossible. What are you supposed to do with it? You're stuck. So basically, like, I'm, you're the reason I'm acting this way. Right. It's yeah. because of you. If you didn't act that way, then I wouldn't be acting this way. So it's all your right. and fault. And if you are to change, then I'm going to change the way I act because you're changing. So it needs to start with you right. first. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was really well said. Yeah. So he sets these impossible terms that you have to be a certain way. So I don't feel that way. And if you don't, then I can do whatever I want to you. I'm justified. And it's a, it's a, that cycle is brutal. It is brutal. It's brutal being in a relationship with this type of person. It's horrible. Well, let's take a quick break, guys. After 
after that. <laughs> uh, we'll be chatting about how you can recognize triggers based on these archetypes and how to deal with them after this break. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night, guys. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bilotta with my special guests tonight, David Coates and Corey Kilpack, co-authors of Be Less Dickish, the definitive self-help book about men. Getting back to our discussion now on how to deal with triggers. So through your book... The, or throughout your book, the characters break down, they confront the chaos of their lives in therapy, they fall apart, and then they end up finding their way. Like yourself, Corey, <laughs> uh, therapy is obviously a big part of this growth. So both of you personally and for the characters in the story. So um, let's chat about the importance of therapy. Who wants to talk about that? Because I know, and from hosting this show for five, five or six years, uh, like, Men, a lot of men refuse therapy. They do. So let's answer that first. Why do a lot of men refuse therapy, first of all? Who wants to answer that? Yeah, I don't think I've ever met a man in my practice in 20 years that has been like, I'm so glad to be here. This is, you know, <laughs> therapy is, is, a, is a last resort. Like they, they have tried and struggled and kicked and screamed. And to some extent, therapy is the first uh, the first step of just kind of admitting, like, I need help. I need support, right? There's something I don't know. And, I, and, and a lot of men have a hard time, uh, have a hard time doing that. And, uh, you know, a lot of what I do is, is try to help make it interesting for men. I want, I want to make their internal world interesting to them. So they'll start putting attention there and things can, can start to shift. But, you know, I, I think therapy is, is super, super helpful for a lot of people. And it's, yeah. it's nice having someone tracking you and in your world with you fully and loving you truthfully. I think that's a part of it as well. And this is ultimately why men should explore therapy if they are having a hard time getting past. I, I think actually, I think all men should go through therapy after a breakup. Do you agree? Because I feel like men harbor their their feelings. And a lot of them, what they do is... They either cocoon or and or they do the opposite. They they try to get you know under someone to get over someone, you know, and that doesn't always work out either. Or they try to rebound and meet someone right away to get over that relationship. So let's talk about that. If we had a rule that everyone had to start a new hobby after a breakup instead of start a rebound, they actually might learn something about themselves just from that. Mm -hmm. I think it's a matter of focus and, you know, talking about therapy and men, like Dave mentioned, the characters in our book arrive at therapy for a lot of different reasons. Some of them are compelled to be there. Some of them, it's a last ditch effort. Some of them, like they're curious, like what is going on and why do I feel like that? Exactly the way Dave described it. And the process and what you do in therapy depends a lot on the relationship you have with your therapist. I'd say spend a little bit more time making sure it's a right fit, it's a good fit, it's a comfortable place to be. Make sure it's a place that you can just let it out. 
Dave and I talk in the, over the course of writing this book about what it was like for me in the room and what it was like for Dave when I was in the room with him, and and it comes out in the in the book. But there were times that it was just a raw breakdown. I just can't take another step, and this is the place where I'm going to just come to terms with that. And that's a core part of therapy. And if a guy can't do that, he's stuck. He's just stuck. You're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And and you also put a lot of emphasis on triggers that lead to suboptimal behavior in your book. And of course, triggers look different for everybody. So how how can you start to recognize and be aware of these triggers in your own life? Do these triggers tend to to show similar patterns in, in these different archetypes, for example? I'll start with this one. You get you cool with that, Dave? Go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. When you talk about the patterns and triggers, it's important to say, figure out what is the pattern. And the pattern is going to happen in the reaction. It's not the trigger. It's the reaction. And we look at these archetypes, whether they're submissive or aggressive, that's their go-to behavior when something happens. The trigger happens. It's the reaction that we're describing that puts them out there in these archetype places. And what we've done in the book, I think is one of the greatest contributions to the book is we've taken triggers and turned them into something benign. We've said, it's just information. It is just you living in the world and getting information that you would disappear or die if you didn't have. It is just information. And what you do with that information, your reaction, the R in trace, creates these patterns and cycles and, and relationships and problems or benefits, depending on how you do it. But we've made a really concentrated and distinct effort to say, lighten up. It's a trigger, yes, but it is just information that you can process without being so spun out and being such an a-hole, like lighten up. And it applies to all of the quadrants or all of the different archetypes. We wanted to cut through the like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm triggered. Triggers are information, and we're interested in how do you react, right? So most people are stuck in the trigger reaction cycle. They're walking around, moving through the world, and they're being affected by the world. And then they're reacting to the world and then they're creating stories about themselves or the world based on how they're reacting to the information from the world and through their engagement with the world. And we're saying, hold on, that's not the way to go about it. And when you get in the extremes of doing that, you end up in one of our four archetypal quadrants, end up in an extreme place. So that's where the, the rest of the you know, trace comes in, like awareness, wait a minute. I'm reacting. It's happening. And this is, wait, wait, this is the trace method you're talking about, right? Now, this is a simple strategy for dealing with with triggers in a less extreme way. And and this is the trace method. This is something that you guys came up with? Yes. Okay. So go ahead. Yeah, like like give us some more insight into how this strategy works and how you can start implementing it. Yeah, most people just live in trigger and reactive cycles. So Mm -hmm. the ace in the trace is awareness right? It was very simple. Okay, what's happening? I'm reacting. What's the story I'm telling myself, right? Awareness is very simple. 
And then curiosity. Okay. And this is the, this to me is one of the main points of it is like, how do you get people interested in noticing how they're reacting without making it about the other person without imploding, just interested, curious. Right. So when she says this, this is, this is how you feel. Isn't that interesting? Let's get curious about that together. That therapy is really good for that, but that's a great practice for all of us. It's just to be interested in our internal world and how we're being revealed to ourselves through our interactions with the world and people and, and institutions and bosses. And then there's experimentation, which is the Ian trace. And then you start experimenting with, okay, wait, I'm aware. I'm curious. And I'm going to experiment and do something different this time and, and see what the results are. See how I feel, see how things turn out, see what I learn. And I really want men and women to live in a life where they're experimenting all the time. They're gathering more information. They're curious about the results of the experiment. They're aware of the next situation that they're in in a new way. That to me is a very dynamic, engaged life. And that's the trace method. Amazing. Well, we have to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing um, ways that, uh, you know, you can transform your life using some of these strategies. We'll be right back. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 with myself, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. And tonight I'm joined by guests David Coates and Corey Kilpack. Uh, getting right back into our chat now on how changing behaviors can lead to more satisfaction in life in general. So now that we've learned how to recognize and deal with triggers, how can we use this to continue working on the behaviors that we would like to change? Like how can we apply this to other areas of our lives for continued growth? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me take this from a, from a different angle. Uh, the, the, useful, the useful thing I think that we brought to the table is the recognition of these dynamics in play mm-hmm. in yourself and other people. So for women who want to understand men better, you're going to get pulled into these dynamics. Like the, the D guy, the Richard guy is going to pull you into his world of uh, because of what you're doing, he's feeling the way he's feeling and you need to be different. You need to take care of him, you know, you know, or the, the uh, P word, he's going to try to convince you to take care of him. He can't do it on his own. He needs you to kind of mother him. He needs you to make the decisions. The D-bag is going to want you to go along with his story and think he's this cool guy. He wants you to make him real in his imitation. We really want readers, like women readers in particular, to see the games men play when they're in these quadrants and be on to them, to not go along with them. There's no there there. You cannot indulge a D-bag enough to where he'll become a more authentic partner. You can't take care of the P enough to where he'll start showing up in his assertiveness in your relationship. You have to refuse to meet men on the terms that they're setting when they're in these archetypes. And that's something I'm passionate about is recognizing when other people are trying to pull you out of your center into their world and their games and their BS, whether it's bosses or partners or moms or anybody to see how you're being affected. And if you can be aware of wait a minute, I'm getting triggered right now. That's information. Mm-hmm. And it might be information because 
a D-bag is trying to get you to go along in, in some fantasy reality, and your body's telling you, this is BS. We don't want to do this. Triggers our information. Ah, wait a minute. I see what's happening now. I don't want to play this game again. I'm not going to do it. So that, to me, is the real power, is to bring in real-time awareness and, and refuse things instead of going along with them that aren't okay with you. So basically, that's, that's how we would prevent. So is that how we would prevent then other people's behavior from affecting us in, in such a strong way is basically just being aware of, of it? It's awareness yeah, first, right? It's the awareness that's required. And you have to be able to identify these are the conditions that are being presented to me. And that awareness allows someone to make a choice. Can they accept or reject these conditions? And can they do it in a way that is ex also extreme or can they keep their cool and do it? But when you see that you're being manipulated by this, the D word, word I guess we're going with Richard. When he Rise with penis. You, when he's telling you, when he's saying like, look, I, I, I'm, I'm hurt here. You, you made me late, whatever it is, and, and it's your fault. The simple process of being able to say, hang on, like you, you're, not, it's, you're not a victim here and it's not my fault and deal with your own stuff prevents someone from escalating it. It allows a chance and opportunity to bring this back to the center and deal with it on more reasonable terms. You're basically taking this trigger from being alarming to just the facts of the situation, what can we deal with that's real? But this, and we keep going back to it, the benefit of this is that you, being able to see these extremes and know what they are really doing, which is presenting you with options and presenting you with conditions, gives us a better chance of doing it a better and healthier way. I love it. I love it. You know what? And this book sounds like such a great self-help book for men who are going through similar things, you know, to, to what the characters that you're describing in the story are experience, have experienced. Right. But I also think that it can be a useful tool for other people, including women. Cause like, honestly, like I want to grab a copy of this book, right? Because this can also help us understand the behaviors of, of men because we're dealing with them and where they're coming from. And also, um, you know, if we feel we are dealing with, someone like that in our lives, we can almost like show them and say, Hey, listen, like maybe you want to, you want to read this. <laughs> maybe you need, you need to get a little help for yourself. Right. Like, um, so do you agree with that? And like what other people can learn from this book as well? You, I spent 14 years on wall street and was coming off of that career around the time that I met Dave. And I tell people when I'm talking about this book, if I'd have had this information, if I'd have had this model, when I was working at a hedge fund or working in investment banking, it would have changed my career. Like this is a concept that it is not limited to relationships or limited to men. It applies to systems. It applies to markets. It applies to everything. And everyone will benefit from understanding how they are being played or what they're being expected to do. And sometimes it is you need to act like a bag or d bag, and <laughs> we accept those terms. 
disidentified. <laughs> we had a whole co- uh, like we had a communication about this before the show started on how we were going to say these words. And it just slipped. Oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been it's it's been fine. And and w- one of my passions is, as I said before, like. I want women reading this book and recognizing this behavior because women are tend to be taught to kind of go, go along with, with male behavior. Yeah. Not this girl, not this girl. uh, And if I can help it, not any girl. Okay. Because that's my mission is not to put up with any freaking crap from anybody. Right. Set your standards and set them high. Right. right. And instead of thinking, Oh, he's just sort of a tormented, misunderstood guy. You know, I'm just going to love him. If I love him enough, that's going to heal him. And we're saying, hold on, just see, see the behavior. And look at it through the lens of our model. Really see as clearly as you can what's happening. And this book will really help you recognize what men are doing and how they're pulling and pushing. And, and, and you get to say, I don't want to play that game. I'm not going to do that. And, and, and if guys aren't recognizing their faults, you can't change. You can't make them change. They need to make those changes for themselves. So they have to recognize right. those behaviors themselves first. Well, guys, the show's done, and everybody, thanks for joining us for another evening of the Dating and Relationship Show. This is such a fantastic show, so much great information. Guys, where can they learn more about you and your book? You can find out more about us at our website, BeLessDickish.com. Uh, you can buy copies of the book through the website. The, the book is Be Less Dickish, and we're also available on Audible amazing and on amazon all right so find it on amazon guys and you can uh follow me on instagram official laura Bellata. if you're coming to clubhouse laura Bellata. and thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of the dating and relationship show and visit my website singleinthecity.ca ciao for now guys 